It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go, back to your huddle. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to the newest edition of the Giants huddle podcast. John Schmoke with you. Today, an NFC East division roundtable as we preview the division with three gentlemen that cover each one of the teams in the NFC East. But first, a reminder, you can find the Giants Huddle Podcast on your favorite podcast platforms at Giants.com slash podcast and on the Giants mobile app. All right, welcome to our second NFC East roundtable. We did one prior to the draft. Now we're going to do one to preview the 2021 season. I am John Schmuck representing the New York Giants. We're joined by Fran Duffy representing the Philadelphia Eagles. You can find him on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast and the Journey to the Draft podcast. You have Zach Selby pinch hitting for Julie Donaldson today. He's a staff writer for the Washington football team. And then, of course, Dave Hellman. You can find him on DallasCowboys.com as a staff writer. Also, Dave, let me say I had this right. The Draft Show podcast and the Break podcast. Is that correct? Yeah, unfortunately for all. I mean, I know we're all draft nerds. Uh, draft Show will be back when the season's over. But, yeah, you can find me on Cowboys Break uh, pretty much every day now that we're in regular season mode. Yes, and it is regular season mode, guys. Uh, this is going to post up in a little bit more than a week away. So I guess let's start here, and I'll do a little roulette wheel. Let's start with the new guy, Zach. Here we go. <laughs> Biggest thing you're thinking about heading into your first regular season game with Washington this year, either that you're excited about, maybe have a concern about. Biggest thing that, that's kind of on the docket for you, top of mind. Biggest thing. Well, I'd have to go with the fact that there's only five linebackers on the roster right now. I mean, they do. Rivera does like the guys that they have, but, uh, you know, they have Jamin Davis, Kalik Hudson, John Bostick, Cole Holcomb, and David Mayo. But, I mean, originally they only had four guys. And, uh, I mean, whether you like those guys or not, you don't imagine them going with just four guys the whole season. And, uh, I mean, this defense is primed to have a really, really good year. Once again, surprise, surprise, they're one of the best in the league. Um, and linebackers are one of the weakest spots of that group last year. If there was one weakness, it would be the linebacker position, although they did improve as the season went on. And now they're going in with just just five guys, one that's kind of more of like a second-train sort of guy. But, I mean, we'll see how they go. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to say because, you know, Justin Herbert's obviously going to be really, really good again. You have Austin Eckler out there, and then that wide receiver core is just really special out there in Los Angeles. So, We'll see how that covers up. And I will say all the guys are really solid in covers, are really good tacklers. So it's going to come down to a depth situation, I think, for them. Well, why, why don't we stick with the teams that have second-year head coaches? So star of hard knocks, David Hellman. How about you? Yeah, it, it's funny. I brought this up on our most recent podcast. You know, it's, you know, Cowboys open the season. They're the Thursday night game in Tampa against the champs. So they're in game week right now uh, where, you know, so um, – and man, I know everybody in the NFL is great. Everybody's got talent. There's no such thing as a week off. But you talk about, you just talk <laughs> about jumping into the hot water, especially why were the Cowboys so terrible last year? Aside from injuries, their defense was awful. I mean, historically awful against the run, uh, scoring, all that good stuff. And who do they get for their troubles? Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Uh, I'm forgetting the, uh, Antonio Brown. I mean, just the best quarterback ever and this dynamic offense in their house, you know, on banner night, all that stuff. And I just don't think you could draw up a tougher test for a brand new defense under a brand new defensive coordinator. It's going to be quite a challenge. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how they handle that type of adversity. 
Yeah, that'll be a fun game on Thursday night for the Giants. Unfortunately, guys, it's health. Uh, you know how these you know preseasons go, and most of these injuries didn't even happen in preseason games. Kenny Galladay hamstring practice, Saquon Barkley offseason knee surgery, Kadarius Tony complications from COVID before he got to camp. Then you have Evan Ingram in the final preseason game. So those are four very important players for the Giants' offense that we all don't know about heading into that first regular season game. And the offense is really what the Giants have to get better at this year. They were ranked 31st in points and offense yards last year. You name it. They need to get better. You need to find out about the quarterback. Hard to do that when half his weapons are banged up and hurt. I think I feel best about Barkley playing in the game. Second best about Galladay. And then probably Tony third and Ingram fourth. Ingram's a calf injury. It's a soft tissue deal with a speed guy. That's that's probably going to be an issue for a while. But I feel pretty good about Barkley. I, I wonder how much of a workload he's going to get only because Zach, you know, Washington and, and the Giants play the second week of the year on Thursday night. So Barkley first game back off ACL, short turnaround week two against Washington. How do they manage that in week one? So that's kind of what we're thinking about right here in New York. Duff, how about you, man? Well, it's interesting and kind of reflecting on this. I know a year ago at this time, the Eagles were talking about how, you know, or the coverage around the Eagles was talking about how, they were the only team in the NFC East that was returning their, their staff. <laughs> and now a year later, uh, after finishing in last place, obviously uh, the only team in the division that has a new staff and is incorporating new systems. So I would say the big storyline going into week one against the Atlanta Falcons on the road is just going to be game one of the Nick Sirianni offense with Shane Steichen at offensive coordinator. Game one of this Jonathan Gannon defense. And uh, the team was beyond vanilla in the preseason. I mean, you, you guys know, like, you know, there's, there's vanilla ice cream and then there's like bad vanilla ice cream. Like it, it was bad. vanilla. They were so bland uh, on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. And Nick Sirianni has talked about it this, this summer is that, look, we know that a good advantage we have working in our favor is that this is the first time that I have owned an offense and this has been my system. This is the first time JG, Jonathan Gannon, it has been his defense. This is his system. So, you know, for the Atlanta, they have an advantage going into Atlanta. They did not want to give up any of that. So I think for me, and you guys know me, like, you know, from an X and O standpoint, I am just so excited to see what this offense, what this defense looks like here in week number one. Well, what's your feel for it? Like, if I, if I made you guess and you don't have to be right, what do you think it's going to look like? And what has this offseason been like with the new staff? Well, it's been really exciting with the new staff. It's, I don't know what the numbers are, but it's got to be one of the youngest staffs in the NFL. And, and with that comes a lot of energy. And it's a, a staff full of teachers. You know, being there uh, every day at training camp, a lot of emphasis on teaching on the fly. Every single rep, you know, a guy would get pulled off to the side and they're going through not just, hey, you did this wrong, do this differently but the why behind that, Hey, this is how this carries over uh, onto the game. This is why, uh, you know, when you do this in the middle of your route, this is the, the amount of separation you're going to get. And there's example after example of that. But uh, you know, to me, just being able to see these guys work out in the field was great. And as far as what it's going to look like, look, I think this offense is going to be predicated on highlighting the playmakers, you know, watching Nick Sirianni, watching Shane Steichen over the course of their careers, both with the chargers and with the Colts, those offenses were all about getting the ball out fast letting the wide receivers work, letting those guys uh, create yards after the catch. So when I see Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager, you look at obviously the tight end position with Dallas Goddard and Zach Gertz, the running backs, they've got a lot of guys that are going to have, have an impact in the pass game. It's going to be predicated on getting the ball into their hands fast. So now it comes down to the trigger, man. It comes down to the point guard and Jalen Hurts and him executing this offense. I thought he got better over the course of the summer. Defensively, I think they're going to come at you in a lot of different ways. I'm more excited, I think, just because of the unknown 
with the defense. And that's the thing. Jonathan Gannon, he comes from the Indianapolis Colts. You kind of have an idea of what that defense had been. Not a heavy blitz scheme under Matt Eberflus, the defensive coordinator. But previously, Jonathan Gannon was in Minnesota with Mike Zimmer. Different kind of style, right, where there was the heavy pressure and lots of different looks. So uh, I'm excited to see which of from those two schemes they're pulling from most. How's the Fitzmagic experience been there, Zach? Fun? <laughs> it's, uh, there's been some good. There's been a lot of uh, interceptions, been a lot of touchdowns, but either way, it's coming at you fast. And you're the full experience it. then. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's everything you would, you would expect to see and none of what you would expect to see all at the same time. But no, he's he's a very he's a very savvy guy. I mean, he's been around the league for, gosh, going on almost, almost two decades now. And you can see the effect that he has on these guys. He's going around to receivers saying, hey, I noticed you were going out on this particular ride. You kind of altered it a little bit this way. Maybe I could lead you open a little bit more. You can get a couple extra yards. I've seen him go talk to the running backs, talk about how he's they're able to, you know, interpret the blocking schemes a little bit better so they can put him put themselves in a better position to go down the field and get the first down. I've seen him have a really good connection with Logan Thomas. I think it was a regular occurrence for him to look up and see Logan Thomas in the middle of the field just wide open just, and scoring for touchdowns. Uh, you know, he's really connected well with T, uh, Terry McLaurin, Deami Brown. He's found a way to build some kind of spe- specific relationship with just about every single person on that offense, which – and it's really cool because he has a really dry sense of humor as well. There's a, there's apparently some sort of locker one-liners that he always brings up that the players will just never tell us for some reason, but he just knows how to relate to guys. Uh, it's It's been really cool. Dave, you've had the pleasure of talking about Dak's shoulder, I mean, Jack's uh, ankle for about 10 months. Then you got to talk about his shoulder for about four weeks. How healthy is he? Is he ready to go? Is that completely in the rearview mirror? Where are we with that? Yeah, it's, I almost start to think that it was a master plan on Dak's part to get people to shut up about his ankle. He's <laughs> like, let me find something else people can obsess about instead of that. Um, it, it's going to be interesting, man. I, he's he's 100% healthy. There's no limitations. And, you know, I, I keep saying it's it's understandable if people get antsy when QB1's not practicing. I mean, that's your hope and your dream for your season right there, and he's not healthy enough to go. And so I don't blame people for not trusting it, but, you know, he's been back for almost week and a half, almost two weeks at this point. And he's, he looks, he looks game ready. I mean, the ball's got zip on it. He's throwing it 45, 50 yards when he needs to, he's putting it over the middle of the field at a really good clip. I thought it was, you know, speaking of hard knocks, I thought it was funny. They showed him throwing on this last episode and it was very tight shots, not a lot of looks at what was going on there. And I have to imagine the Cowboys had some say in that of like, let's not give away the goods on everything that he can do right now. Um, But having said all of that, you know, I feel totally confident that he's healthy, but you can't deny the fact that the guy hasn't gotten a lot of work with his starting offense. You know, the offensive tackles, Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins, they've been coming back from injury. So they've been in and out. Uh, C.D. Lamb spent a week on the COVID list here recently. Amari Cooper was slowly working his way back. So I'm going to step out on a limb and say, I don't think the entire first 11, they can't have done more than a handful of reps together in training camp, if at all. And uh, guess what? Tampa Bay is right there coming up next week. So um, I think that's going to be a real test. They've obviously got a lot of talent, but they're going to have to play catch up quick because they just haven't gotten that much time together. No, Dave, I'm with you on that. The Giants are in the same situation. I mean, Daniel Jones has not been with his full first team offensive line for most of camp. Guys have shuttled in and out. All the, as I mentioned, the wide receivers, the skill position guys, they've been hurt. So that's been a story here. And I think 
you know, you bring up the offensive line and for the Giants, I mentioned the injuries. The other question is still the offensive line. Andrew Thomas, all of us thought was having a great summer. Then he gives up a couple sacks in the final preseason game. And all of a sudden you're worried again. There's still a competition at right tackle. We don't know if the starters, Nate Solder or third round pick Matt Parrott. Inside, you got a bunch of young guys. Shane Lemieux dealing with a knee injury. So that's a big question for the Giants here. And it's kind of been a question for the last five or six years that they thought they were on the road to solving by using draft picks on these guys. We have to see if they pan out. And that's kind of key to the whole season because you want to see what Jones can do. And you really can't see what he can do unless you have some decent protection in front of him. Where does the offensive line stand with you guys, Dave? You have a lot of guys coming off of injury. Fran, you do as well. Zach, you've had a lot of you know movement in and out, new players on the O-line. So where do you guys stand up front? Because we all know they don't get the glory, but that's where everything kind of starts. I Anyone think, can jump in. Go ahead. I, I'll just – I'll get it out of the way. I mean, it's been a concern here in Dallas for three or four years, and I just – I think there's going to be a lot of holding your breath, and it just is what it is. You know, we actually – we just talked to Tyron Smith today – absolutely one of the best left tackles in football when he's healthy has a, a hall of fame caliber resume if he continues the way that he's been over the course of his career but it's five years in a row of him missing time he says he feels as good as he ever has but how far do you get into the season before that starts to creep back up hopefully it doesn't at all for his sake uh, but you, at this point i don't know if you can count on it lyle collins another guy missed all of last season with hip surgery He's battling stingers right now. You know, he's missed a couple practices here dealing with some pain in his neck. Doesn't sound like a big problem right now, but again, if you're already feeling that way before the season starts, what's going to happen when you're going against guys 50, 60, 70 times a week? So, you know, I, I don't blame Cowboy fans that are kind of holding their breath. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think they're relatively healthy right now. The, the question is just going to be how long it lasts. Yeah, I think for Washington, it really comes – the main story has been the tackle positions uh, because you have Morgan Moses, long-time right tackle. He gets released. He goes off to, uh, to another team. You have the left tackle position, Cornelius Lucas, played better than expected last year, but they bring in Charles Leno from Chicago and to replace him. And you know, going back to Cosme, um, you know, the second-round pick out of Texas, he was um, he had a really interesting welcome to the NFL moment going against Montez Sweat and Chase Young almost <laughs> on a daily basis. It's not exactly uh, how you want to start your career, but um, it turns out those uh, those reps that he had where he was – and Chase Young even said, look, if I have to work him and destroy him every play to get him better, that's what I'm going to do. And it looks like it's really helped him out a lot. He, I think he had any sacks in the first preseason game. He's looked very good once the pads have come on. And Charles Leno also has – Really, he's been that constant, reliable left tackle role as well. And, you know, obviously the interior, Chase, Chase Roulier signed a four-year extension in, Jan, in January. Brandon Sheriff, one of the best guards in football, is going to be there, you know, at the right guard position. Left guard, they've kind of been switching out a little bit with Eric Flowers and Wes Schweitzer. Both of those guys have kind of come on recently. Eric Flowers kind of, kind of came on late, started to kind of replace Wes Schweitzer. But on the depth chart, uh, Schweitzer is the number one guy. But either way, I mean, look. This group gave up 50 sacks last year. Bangle cut it. <laughs> no, not, not at all. So they had to make some sort of key changes there, and it looks like they've, they've started to make the, make the exact moves that they really want to see. You know, this isn't even a joke, Zach, but how can you even tell if they're playing well? You know, you could have a decent offensive line. You're going against that front every day in practice. They can't block. It doesn't mean you guys aren't good. They're just going against stars every day. I mean, it's great for their development, but how can you tell how well they're really going to do against your typical defensive line? Well, yeah, I mean, four, four first-round studs is um, 
quite the way to, to go to practice every day. But, you know, for, for me personally, going uh, back to some of my old days, 100 pounds, pounds ago, I used to be a college offensive lineman. So I know a little bit about the, uh, the techniques of it all. And their footwork has been really well. Uh, their, their hand placement, that's always been really key for me. Sam Cosby's hand placement has been exemplary. Uh, they're able to match those the quickness that uh, the Chase Young and Montez Sweat have. Same thing with Chase uh, Chase Rullier and uh, Charles Leno. They're all able to to match that quickness. And all those off the linemen and defensive line drills are won or lost based on how quick you can get your hands away from the other from the other opponents. And so far, they've they've done it. And there's been a lot of practices where Fitzpatrick, Heineke, whoever has been pretty clean for the most part. That's if you can if you can be clean against those guys, you're doing something right. Yeah, for us, I mean, it's been really interesting just to watch this because last year the Eagles set an NFL record 14 different offensive line combinations in 16 games. And so, uh, I mean, they were just hammered by injuries. Everybody but Jason Kelsey got hurt last year. And so uh, just looking at this group now, kind of rounding into form. You know, Lane Johnson was out there for, I believe, every single day outside of a vet day off here and there during the course of training camp practice. Brandon Brooks at right guard uh, missed a couple days early, but outside of that has been out there every single day. Jason Kelsey out there every single day. Isaac Samalo back in the lineup at left guard. And then they had the left tackle competition between Andre Dillard, a former first-round pick, and Jordan Mailata, a former seventh-round pick, who he got, action, got into action last year. And guys, I don't know how much, you know, the, the, the Giants fans and, and even you guys like know about or, uh, Jordan Mailata's background, but uh, seventh round pick, pure lottery ticket selection in the NFL draft back in 2018, didn't, had never played a down of football. He didn't know how to put his chin strap on. And now you fast forward to a couple years later, he's starting NFL games last year uh, and looked more than competent. And now this summer has looked outstanding. He had an outstanding summer. Uh, you know, this guy is six foot eight and I mean, just south of 400 pounds, uh, but does not look it. I mean, just remarkable, rare, unique unicorn athlete. Uh, and it's just so much fun to be able to watch him play. Uh, I can't wait to see the, how this offensive line looks as a whole, but then, you get into the depth and you guys know this too. You know, you have, you see these position groups that get decimated by injuries one year. Well, that means the next season, now you've got all of a sudden uh, a lot of really interesting depth pieces, guys that are proven uh, to be able to come in and make an impact. And so uh, some of these young players al along the interior, uh, they've come in and be, you know, they, they were able to trade uh, a couple of players late in camp, but they kept 10 offensive linemen in the initial 53. And I wow. think that speaks to that depth that they've got. Uh, I feel like this offensive line and go, to the defensive side, the defensive line, those are two of the strongest groups in this team. All right, big picture-wise, Fran, how does Jalen Hurts look? He's gotten better uh, every single day, every single week. And that's the thing is you look at – I think I said this on a recent podcast. If you look at you know practices one through seven and then look at Jalen just in that window and then say, okay, now let's look at him eight through 15, it's, I don't want to say it's night and day, but he's, it, he made a huge jump. Uh, in those two windows and even just seeing him uh, you know we only saw him in one preseason game you know he was uh, sick for the second game did not play in the third so uh, just kind of watching uh, how he's been able to develop over the course of practice he's made some big time throws like you guys we had a couple weeks of joint practice against other teams I thought when the Patriots came to town and then when the team went up to play the New York Jets I thought that Jalen Hurts was the best quarterback on the field in both all four of those practices and so uh, I think that that's a, a really good sign for his development, but he's got to carry it over to the games. And that's going to be the big task for him once we get to week one and a huge test against an Atlanta defense that schematically is going to be a huge challenge with Dean Pease. Yeah, I'd say. All right, 
Hey, Giant fans, don't miss out on the return of New York Giants football. The 2021 season is now underway, but there is still time to secure your season tickets and root on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball, and I think we have to let Zach lead this off, given, I mean, I don't want to speak for you guys, but probably best personnel defensive-wise no. in the division. I think speak, that's fair, speak right? For, speak for me, please. <laughs> 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 all right, Zach, tell us all about your defensive line that can't be blocked and what else you have you going on over there. Well, yeah, I think the defensive line is, like you said, it's one of the best in football. There's no way to deny when you have four first rounders out there, it's that's the way it's going to be, right? Chase Young has, um, I mean, he looks prone to have an even better season than last year. And the surprising that may be because he's worked on a lot of little things. He's his play recognition has gotten better. He's more comfortable. He's working on his handwork and his feet work. It's all really done. I mean, Ask Cam Newton how that felt to have Chase Young on your back uh, for the first preseason game. We'll tell you how how impressed he was. Um, but you know, the, the biggest the biggest change that has come for me, obviously, is in the secondary. Uh, you know, you have Kendall Fuller out there, but then you also bring William Jackson, one of the better man coverage corners that was available this past year in free agency. You also have Benjamin St. Juice, the guy in Minnesota, and. He's about six foot, uh, six foot two and 200 pounds, which, I mean, that's not very common to have a corner that big and long, but he's very physical at the line of scrimmage. And he, um, he had a play in OTAs against Terry McLaurin where he knocked the ball away and kind of gave him a little bit of a stare down because how, yeah, I mean, that's a rookie going against, you know, one of the better, better uh, receivers in the division there. He just went toe to toe with him. And I mean, Cam Curl, obviously come on, coming on to the seventh round pick last year and, Really being a surprise guy in that secondary has he looks it looks like he's versatile as ever. Um, and Bobby McCain, I mean, there's been a lot of new guys in there, and you know, you're always you gotta wonder like where all where all these guys are gonna play. And honestly, according to Chris Harris, like it doesn't really matter because they're all able to do a little bit of everything. So that creates some versatility on their end to say, you know what, you need Cam Crow to play in the Buffalo nickel spot. We got you. You need Bobby McCain to play out there in corner. He did that in Miami. He did really really well at it. So it's if you can pick pick whatever you want, this secondary is going to be even more challenging than last year. You know, Dave, I joked with him about the defensive line for Washington. Cowboys defense has to go up against some pretty good skill position guys on the Cowboys offense outside. How has that looked in practice for the defense? Do you see a noticeable difference with Dan Quinn and what he's trying to do? And how much different is what Dan Quinn's trying to do based on what we all know, what you know, his background in Seattle with the cover three and all that stuff? Yeah, to be honest with you, I mean. In its own way, the Cowboys defense is, is pretty fascinating because depending on how you want to look at it and what your attitude is, like I can give you half a dozen reasons why they're probably not very good. And I can give you half a dozen reasons why they're worth getting pretty excited about. And um, I think Dan Quinn's honestly a big part of that. You know, he gets he get and rightfully so. I mean, that's the tree that he comes from, but he gets linked to the cover three you know, the Seattle blueprint so much. And there's an element of that, but honestly, it's way more multiple than I was expecting. And, uh, and to a degree that I've never really seen before um, in terms of, you know, I think we're all used to defensive line rotations. That's not anything new, but the way that Dan has been rotating his personnel everywhere during this training camp is crazy. I mean, you know, the Cowboys obviously have four or five talented linebackers and they're all playing. They're all doing a variety of things. You know, we talked about Micah Parsons when we did this uh, draft roundtable back during the spring. I remember we said at the time, if if Micah Parsons is worth drafting that high, you got to get a lot out of him. And Dan Quinn clearly agrees with us because the guy is doing 
everything. Uh, he plays Mike linebacker. He plays off the edge. They put him out as a designated pass rusher in three, four looks. They drop him in coverage when they do some of that cover three stuff. Um, he is a, I mean, again, it's preseason. You don't want to overreact, but he absolutely looks like a playmaker. And, and they kind of, they tailor their defense almost to fit him, which is really impressive. Like I said, you know, they focused a lot on versatility in the offseason. You know, they signed these big body defensive linemen who can play tackle and in depending on the front that they want to show. Um, so I, I think we're going to see a lot of looks where they try to get Mike out on the edge, but then they can go smaller. Um, really fascinating kid. Oso Diggy Zua is a top 100 draft pick in the third round. An injury to Neville Gallimore is going to give him a shot. Uh, to be the starting three technique. And he has shown in these preseason games that he can create a lot of havoc in there when you give him a chance. And that's without even having uh, seen him work with Demarcus Lawrence, who kind of, you know, he had a vet training camp. He just didn't do a whole lot. He'll be ready for the start of the season. Um, so there, there's a lot of talent here. You know, they drafted 11 guys and nine of them are defenders. And of those nine, I would say probably five are going to have pretty significant roles. Um, how good does that mean the defense is going to be? It's hard to say. You know, I've I've gone through training camps where I was like, wow, this this is doomsday 2.0. These guys are going to kick some ass. And then that's the last thing that happens. Uh, so I'm kind of trying to hedge my bets. But I think you can see under Quinn that they're, they're going to be a lot more versatile than we got used to seeing from this defense for a long time. And I don't know if it's always going to work. But I think that this defense is going to try to attack the ball in a way that we haven't seen from the Cowboys for a long time. Rod Marinelli, for years, really seemed like he was more about limiting big plays than anything else. And I think Dan Quinn just wants guys getting to the football at all costs, really. I mean, that's what we've seen in training camp. It's been successful in practice. Whether it translates to games is a big, big storyline. Fran, Dave mentioned veteran days for people up front. How much is left in the tank for this Eagles defensive line that we've talked about for so long? You know, waves of pass rushers getting after the quarterback, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham. How much is left in the tank, and what should be the expectations for this defense, which is, to your point you made before, just a completely different scheme than what we've seen from them over the past 10 years? It's one of those questions everybody wants to figure out, right? And to me, like... Going into training camp, yeah, we want to get eyes on the rookies. How are they used? You know, how are they used in the new scheme? Uh, you know, how do they look? Are they are they kind of uh, you know are they lost a little bit? But for me, also, you want to see the vets and like have they lost a step at all, guys? Like Patriots offensive line, I think most people would say one of the best in the league. The Jets, yeah. they're trying to turn yeah. that around. You've got some, some high you know some high picks there along that front. Some free agent signings as well. Neither team could block. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave has been just absolutely a game wrecker every single day. Not being and not not to mention as well against this Eagles offensive line that I, that I praised earlier. Uh, these guys have been outstanding, and so I think there are really high hopes for this Eagles de- defensive front going into the year. You've got a couple of young guys as well uh, with Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett and some of the you know Milton Williams. Uh, the Eagles drafted in the third round uh, right around the same time that Oso Digizua went off the board for Dallas. And uh, Milton Williams has played both inside and outside. Uh, they brought Ryan Kerrigan over in free agency. Uh, you know, and just you get that sense that, you know, all this this defensive front is once again going to be a strength. Uh, it's it's performed really, really well as a group here this summer. Can so you all – can y'all up in Washington and Philly like share the wealth? A yeah, little right. Bit? Like, it's like <laughs> the Cowboys. It's like we the Cowboys have like one, maybe two decent pass rushers at any given time. It seems like y'all always have about six. 
there's only enough for us. There's yeah, only right. enough for us. <laughs> well, and you guys took over after the Giants did that from like 2007 yeah. to 2013. And then we've been looking for a pass rusher since then. So, hey, Giant fans taking all the action of New York Giants football from your very own private suite. Giants suites are a great way to entertain your family and friends while rooting on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giants suite rep right now by calling 888-NYG-1925. Yeah, and look, I think the Giants are, I think their defense is going to be a strength. They were a top 12 unit last year. Uh, They've improved in that they brought in a Dory Jackson. Their second cornerback spot last year was a mess. You know, Isaac Yadam, Madre Harper, Corey Ballantyne. There's a reason you guys probably don't know who any of those guys are. And that's why they gave Adore Jackson a lot of money this offseason. Uh, he's been healthy. He banged up um, himself a little bit in those joint practices with New England. When Mac Jones, by the way, I understand why he got named the starter. He was unbelievable up there. He basically looked like Drew Brees in practice. I'm telling you, the kid was great. Um, but... You know, their defense is going to be good. And I think Patrick Graham coming from that, you know, Belichick, you know, school is going to play a lot more man-to-man, especially on third downs this year. Last year, the Giants were one of the heaviest zone teams in the league. So I think you'll see a lot more man-to-man, a lot more blitz packages on those third downs. And actually today, Patrick Graham talked about, our defensive coordinator talked about Lorenzo Carter, who's coming off Achilles surgery. He's heading into his fourth year. He was a third-round pick, you know, great athlete, never really had that pass rush production in college, but he had the, the tools for it, right? And you figure coming off an Achilles injury year later, taking him down to get back. And Patrick Graham started raving. He almost got emotional. And he said, this guy looks like a different player that I haven't seen in the last three years. And he actually brought up to me on the side, not comparing them, but he says, he mentioned the name Chandler Jones to me, which is, you know, Bonkos because Chandler Jones is Chandler Jones. And he said, look, they're different players. I'm not comparing them, but you're starting to get the feel that he can impact the game the same type of way. So I think that's kind of a real interesting player to keep an eye on, and the Giants do need to find a pass rusher from the outside. They have Leonard Williams, a tackle, who's fantastic. Dexter Lawrence, great inside player. But they need an edge guy. So I think uh, Lorenzo Carter is somebody to keep an eye on this year. If he can step up, if he can be a real legitimate edge rusher, I think the Giants have top seven, top eight defensive potential. And I do think especially early in the year, the Giants start with Denver, who is an unbelievable defense. They have Washington in the second week, really good defense. Their defense is going to have to realistically hold teams to 17 or under if they want to probably win those two games. So I think that's something really interesting to kind of keep an eye on. I mentioned Carter for the Giants. Each one of you guys, give me a name of a player on your rosters that nobody is thinking about now, but by the end of the year, they're going to be like, wow, that guy came out of nowhere, or that guy's a lot better than we thought he was going to be to start the year. Rookie, vet, anyone, take your pick. I'll jump in. I'll, I'll jump in with Jordan Mailata uh, as a guy that if he can just build off of this summer, we saw him in a handful of starts last year uh, in his first real extensive action, not in the NFL, just playing the sport. So seeing him here in year two uh, as a player and seeing him as a full-time starter uh, along with a healthy offensive line, uh, I think that he'll start to see his star rise here moving forward. Go ahead, Zach. Okay. All right. I'll go with uh, John Bates, the tight end out of Boise state mm. fourth round pick. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people you know, here in Washington, whenever, uh, whenever we drafted him, they were like, who is, who the hell is John Bates? Like that's not something, that's not a name that they uh, really recognize, but he's, he's a very talented blocker. He has the right ability. He knows, he knows how to use his hands. He has really good footwork. He has good leverage. And Pete Hainer, the tight ends coach who is a, uh, a very, uh, let's say, colorfully language coach um, <laughs> in practice. He, he always has something good to say about John. And even when he's not saying something great, he finds a way to give him a little bit of a coaching moment. 
But, you know, you know, he, he didn't really catch that many balls in, in college. I think he was only had like maybe 260-something yards total in his career. But he's got some really good hands. I was talking to his tight end coach a couple months ago, and he was telling me, oh, look, he can make those contested catches. He can do everything you ask him to, which is whenever we were, whenever we had him, we didn't really need him to do that because he was so, so valuable as a blocker. We had to have him out there on the line of scrimmage. So I think that's going to be a guy that you don't really think a lot about, especially with Logan Thomas out there primed to have another really good season. But I mean, he's going to be the number two guy that you think, wow, that's going to, that's going to complete that room. I know I just joked that the Cowboys don't have a ton of good pass rushers and they, they really don't, but the, I think the name that I'm most excited to see this entire season, maybe other than Dak Prescott, is Randy Gregory. And you know that name if you follow the NFC East because he's been in the league for <laughs> forever. It's, it's unbelievable that this is his seventh season, but this is the first time that he has ever been around for an entire offseason. He's not facing some kind of suspension. Um, and aside from how good he is as a player, I'm, I'm just excited for Randy as a person. He's a great guy. He's never done anything quote unquote wrong. He's just run afoul of the league's, uh, drug policy. Uh, you know, this is a guy that's battled anxiety and depression. Obviously the rules have changed recently. It's allowed him to be around, get his feet underneath him. I think he's in as good of a place mentally as he's ever been. And he had top 10 talent, if not for all of that stuff. And he looks like it, you know, he looks, he looks bulked up. He looks impressive. He looks excited to get, to have a chance to play a full season. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to put a number on the guy, but if he plays the way he's looked at training camp, he has certainly, he looks like a guy that's capable of 10 sacks or maybe more. Um, and, and I think he could be pivotal to, if he's decent, then maybe the Cowboys defense isn't as good as we think it could be. But if he kind of takes that step, into playing like a top 10 caliber player, it could mean something huge for the Dallas defense as a whole. All right. I didn't, you guys didn't prepare for these. So I understand. Take your time on the answers. Let's do some rapid fire, fun stuff here. Who's going to lead the NFC East in rushing yards. Eh, Hellman, you go first for what they're paying him. It better be Z. I mean, (laughs) that's, I mean, that's, that's the closest I can come to an answer. I mean, that's, Obviously, there's some tough competition there if Saquon's healthy. Uh, Gibson really broke onto the scene. I mean, Antonio Gibson looked like a Hall of Famer against the Cowboys both times last year. So, um, But, I mean, if the offensive line's healthy, Mike McCarthy has made a, a point that they are not going away from the running game just because they have a $40 million quarterback. So, uh, yeah, I'll stick with our guy. Well, I'll jump in there, Dave. And as you well know, Jason Garrett likes to run the football. Yeah. He does. And- <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> and Saquon has not done a team rep in practice yet with full contact. He wore a red jersey and some team reps against New England last week. He did some team reps today. Practice is closed now, so don't get to watch. But when he moves around, he looks like the old Saquon Barkley. And if he stays healthy, just by the number of touches he's going to get, I don't think Devontae Booker is probably going to take a lot of touches away from him. So I'm going to be the homer here. And look, I wrote on uh, Giants.com, we're going to do bold predictions next week. And I wrote that I thought he was going to set a career high for yards from scrimmage, which is 2028, 2028 yards. And I said he'd go over that. So I'm going to go with Barkley here. I think as long as the injury doesn't hold him back, and by all accounts, it, I don't think it will, I think he could have a 1,600-yard, 500 rushing season, 500-yard receiving season. 
So I'm gonna I'm going Team Barkley here, guys. I have to. How about you, Zach? I agree, honestly. I mean, I, I, I would be, you know, I would be like Hellman and go with my guy, but I think Gibson is really going to be used more like as a versatile, like Christian McCaffrey, sort of like a pass mm. catcher and a rusher on top of that. So I mean, it kind of puts him out of the equation. But Barkley, I mean, my goodness, before he got hurt, he was in the conversation being one of the, you know, one of the best running, the, the best running back in the league. And I mean, now he comes, he comes back and I think he's kind of already kind of considered the top two or three now because of the ways to be able to perform. So, I mean, he, prefer, he he prepares unlike any other. I mean, those thighs are something to behold, to be honest. And <laughs> <laughs> I say that in the most constructive way possible. But I mean, yeah, I, I gotta go with Barkley. I don't really want to put a number on him, but I could see I could see sixteen hundred as a realistic goal for him. How about you, friend? I mean, I just reflect back on last year before Dak's injury. I and Dave, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that Zeke's rushing numbers were when the, that offense was healthy. It's not like uh, his numbers were through the roof. So I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley. I think you look at you know, the, their commitment to the run. Even after Barkley's injury, I mean, you you talked about it. Uh, just the fact that they were so committed to the run, I agree. My, I, I think that when you look at Miles Sanders, I think his role will be similar to what you're talking about with Gibson. That uh, there will be a lot, you know, in terms of pass game volume, um, but in terms of just pure rushing, with the commitment that the Giants have to the run game with Jason Garrett, I'm going to go with Barkley. Actually, let me just so I don't sound like a complete and total homer. <laughs> you know, we we you know, we get down into these bunkers during training camp. Like oh, yeah. I know I know it's the yeah. same for all yep. y'all. Like you don't really have time to pay attention to anybody else. If you're promising me Saquon's healthy for the whole season, I don't disagree at all. If he's healthy, I think that's really the only concern for me. Because uh, you're right. I mean, not only were Zeke's numbers not great last year. There's a lot of mouths to feed on this offense. And even honestly, Zeke's got a great backup in Tony Pollard that could take some yards away from him as well. So I don't have a problem saying Saquon either. And by the way, I can't promise that Saquon's going to be healthy. I wish I could, but I can't. But, you know, I, I wonder how much Tony Pollard's going to take off of Zeke's hands too, which I think yeah. is interesting because yeah. he's, he, he's a really good player. Yeah. All right, here's a good one. And Dave might not be able to answer this for his, for his own team, but I think for the division, it's interesting. Who's going to lead the division in receiving yards? I think we have a lot of good choices here. I'm going to go with an upset. I think you'll like this one, Zach. I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin. Ooh. I think because Dallas will spread the wealth a lot. I think that's going to spread, spread it out a little bit. Kenny Gallaudet with the injury, I'm not so sure. I love Terry McLaurin coming out of school. With mm-hmm. your quarterback situation last year, for him to put up the numbers he did was really impressive. Say what you want about Fitzpatrick. He's willing to throw the ball into tight spots and coverage. And I don't know if we... Fully know their number. I know Curtis Samuel's there, but he's not like your traditional wide receiver, you know? So I think McLaurin's might lead the division in targets, to be honest with you. I think he might. So I'm going Terry McLaurin. I think he's going to have his breakout all-pro year. Well, I'll say that, I mean, he had 134 targets last year, and that was with that was with Alex Smith, Dwayne <laughs> Haskins, Kyle Allen, and a little bit of Heineke there at the end throwing passes to him. I got to agree. I think, I think the reason I say that is because – Fitzpatrick has a tendency to let guys go downfield and, and get yards. That's not something that, that Terry's really had that much in his career thus far. Dwayne really – he was known for having a big arm at Ohio State, but he didn't really get a chance to use it that much. Alex Smith and Kyle Allen, they're not really those guys who are going to just sling it down the field. Fitzpatrick is going to do it. It might not always be a great play. It might end up being a reception, but he's going to give you the shot to do it. And with a guy like Terry out there who he works harder than anybody else that I've ever seen, has a great approach to how he runs his routes, I think that's a perfect marriage, honestly. I think that's going to be something very interesting to watch. 
Uh, I mean, he, and plus he, he had a thousand yards like he, last year, like you, like you said, I mean, with have without all those different quarterbacks out there, I think he's going to have a really big year. How about you, Duff? To me, I mean, look, I would say the McLaren is probably the answer, uh, but I do want to throw in, a, especially because I haven't talked about him. I think Devontae Smith is going to be extremely productive this year. Uh, you know, the, the Eagles are going to throw the ball and Devontae Smith from day one, acted like a number one receiver. I mean, came in and just uh, has that aura about him whenever he's out in the field. Missed a handful of days uh, due to an injury midway through camp. Um, But this guy has been sharp, sharp, sharp with everything that he does uh, in practice, has rarely put the ball on the ground. Had a couple drops in that first preseason game. Um, But Devontae Smith, uh, I think he's a guy that could could, uh, fight for that moniker at the end of the year. This may or may not be a fantasy football-related follow-up, but how does Jalen Rager look? Rager's had, I mean, you would say that he has had had two or three of the best catches of anybody. I mean, he went up and over Darius Slay in a one-on-one drill. He went up and over when the Patriots came down. I think it was J.C. Jackson up and over J.C. Jackson in the corner of the end zone. Crazy, like a very Odell Beckham uh, one-handed grab uh, you know, along the goal line. So I think when you see uh, his ability to go up and win, but then also, I mean, with the, the ability to create with the ball in his hands uh, in this offense that's going to be yak-focused, like I mentioned earlier, uh, he's got the ability to be very productive as well. Dave, I'm glad you brought up fantasy because I'm already bracing myself for <laughs> I'm already bracing myself for the angry fantasy football fans. Like the Dallas Cowboys have got to be a fantasy football player's nightmare. I mean, you got three great receivers, two really good running backs, like we just mentioned. They even like they don't even have a starting tight end. They've got two tight ends that kind of juggle the responsibilities. So good luck figuring out who's gonna blow up. For that reason, like I don't disagree with y'all about Terry McLaurin, to be honest. I mean, yep. I think I do think Amari Cooper tends to get lost in the shuffle a little bit. I think he's just so reliably good that people just sort of take it for granted. He doesn't do the jaw dropping circus catch stuff. That's not really his game, but he is just a technician. And he had the best season of his career last year, despite losing Dak in week five. So I absolutely wouldn't be surprised to see him blow up. But, um, you know, as long as I'm pimping the team I cover, if there's one thing that I feel 100% confident about, going into this season, having watched six weeks of camp, just buy stock in CeeDee Lamb, guys. I mean, we knew he was a great player. We knew it was kind of an upset that he fell to the Cowboys in the first place. He looks like he's ready to take that leap. I mean, I know the Cowboys secondary isn't amazing, but he just went out there every day in camp and just put on a show. Circus catch after circus catch, total domination. I don't know if he's going to lead the division in receiving yards, but I think he's going to be a household name by the time this season's over with. Yeah, I think the Giants hope that Kenny Galladay is in the mix there, too, if he's healthy. Uh, Daniel Jones needs someone that can make some contested catches, and he's the guy. A lot of big plays there the Giants hope this year. All right, a couple more rapid fire. Zach, who's going to lead the division in sacks? Or should I say, which Washington football team player is going to lead the division in sacks? Uh, by the way, I think it was Leonard Williams last year at 11 and a half, by the way. just yeah. I, believe, I don't think anyone else topped him. You know, I think it's interesting because Montez Sweat even brought this up. They that he and Chase are going after the uh, the all time combined sack record for a tandem, which I think it was about thirty nine and a half. Uh, so they have to they have to average. You know, I'm I'm I was told there would be no math for this podcast, so I'm not going to try. <laughs> but who had that? Who who had the thirty nine and a half? Do you know? It was the, it was the Vikings. The Vikings. Ooh, I, oh, I, oh, was that like Chris was, Dolman and John Randall, like that group? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But, I mean, they also have to go, you know, get past, like, Dexter Manley and, and you know, a couple uh, – not Dexter uh, – yeah, but, I mean, you know, like, there's there's a bunch of, like – there's a bunch of uh, quality pass rushers in Washington's history as well. 
So it's one of those things where I think that um, Chase, Chase Young was really good last year. But I think Montez Sweat had an even better year statistically uh, just because he was just flat-out dominant. And he t- I would say he took another step from his rookie year. So I think Chase is going to come close. I think it's going to – I think he'll get double-digit sacks this year. I think he's going to have a, a case to make a defensive player of the year. But Montessa will have more sacks, I think, just by a hair. Not by much. Maybe even like a one or two sacks. But I think he's going to have a monster year. What do you think, Fran? I mean, to me, like I look at this Eagles defensive front, and I don't know if there's going to be one guy that eats up a lot of that production. It's kind of like uh, the what Dave was talking about with the the Dallas receiving core. Like I just feel like so many of these guys are going to just uh, kind of claw at each other. How about Demarcus Lawrence? You know, you look at at that at that hey. front. Hey, I, I, you look at Demarcus Lawrence. And say, All right, like this is a team that's going to be in a lot of shootouts. Uh, you know, teams are going to be trying to pass the football, trying to keep up uh, and keep pace with that offense. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, there's not a lot of other mouths to feed uh, defensively on that front. Uh, he's a guy I feel like could be uh, you know standing over the quarterback more often than not. I'm glad you said it so that I don't feel crazy. Um, wait, uh, so. I'm going with a Washington guy. Absolutely. Like it's, I would bet that it's going to be Chase Young or Montez Sweat. Absolutely. That seems like the right call, but I do think it's interesting. Again, Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory is, has the potential to be the best partner that Demarcus has had. He had Robert Quinn for a year. um, But I think Randy could really be a better all around player, really help him not deal with so many double teams and don't underestimate the role that Micah Parsons is going to play as a pass rusher as well. I, I think that he's a guy that could chip in and have somewhere between four, six, seven sacks on the season. That could really help DeMarcus see a much more favorable uh, matchup week in, week out than he's been used to. I'm still not going to bet against Chase Young, though. That guy's just a freak. Yeah, I think Randy Gregory is the dark horse, to be honest with you. I think if you want a dark horse sack leader, I think it's him. Like, I think Chase Young, man, like these pass rushers usually take a year to get going. You know, there's not many Nick Bosa's. What do you have in his rookie? Almost like 15 sacks. There aren't many Nick Bosa's running around. I could see Chase Young just becoming the outside rusher, edge rusher in the league this year and just completely breaking out. So I'm going to go with Chase Young, but I think Gregory is a good dark horse there. All right. Hey, Giant fans on September 26th, watch the Giants retire Eli Manning's jersey in style. We're offering an exclusive suite package, which includes Eli bobbleheads, jerseys, T-shirts, and more. Speak with the Giants suite representative now by calling 888-NYG-1925. Select option four. I'm not going to ask everybody to predict who's going to win the division because I think we'll figure out a way to pick our own teams. So how about this? How many wins will it take to win the Mm -hmm. NFC East? And just how do you think this division is is generally going to play out throughout the year? Yeah, nobody wants to go first. Go ahead, Zach. It's all you. <laughs> I guess I'm going to go first. I'll do it. Um, I think, honestly, I think, kind of been debating this for a while now. Um, I think nine wins will get it. Because mm. I, I think every single one of these rosters got better in some way. I would honestly say, I mean, Washington, the offense was the biggest concern. They've, they've spent a lot of money to try to, like, and draft picks to raise that part of their game, not to the level of the defense, because I think that'd be very difficult, but they've at least gotten to the point where they're not in the low twenties or the high twenties, upper low thirties. They're now, and I think they're, I think they're at least they've ranked up a couple spots. You know, the Cowboys, they look like they've made some improvements on defense Eagles. I mean, Jalen hurts from has seemed to look, look more improved under center giants have looked really good in the secondary. I, I think, that I don't think I don't think they're going to be the laughing stock of the NFL like they were 
last year. I think that uh, the the losing the the losing record is not going to cut it anymore. I think the, I think nine and eight will get it. I think maybe even ten. To be honest, we're maybe pushing it a little bit, but I think ten is. Ten is not outside the realm of possibility. No, I'm with you, Zach. I'm going ten. I think you need ten to win the division, especially if you want to win it outright. I think nine, you're looking at a tiebreaker. If you want to win this thing outright, I think it's ten. And to me, it has to do with the schedule. Last year, this division had to play the AFC North, which had three really good teams in Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and um, Cleveland. And they played the NFC West, which was a, a haul. The NFC South is a little bit of a softer landing. You have Carolina. You have Atlanta. And while the AFC West obviously has Kansas City, you know, the Raiders and the Broncos, they're teams that were not playoff teams last year. So for me, I think just the schedule being a little bit easier will probably help the teams in the division. And I do think they're going to be healthier too, right? Saquon's not going to miss the whole year again. Dak's not going to miss the whole year again. Those are some important players last year that got hurt. We know about the Eagles offensive line. You guys had no starters left by week two. It's hard to win games that way. So I think just the schedule and the health will make sure the division is better. So I think 10 will get to the playoffs and win the division. But I don't think you'll get any wild card teams out of the NFC East this year. And, and one thing we do know is that it won't be Washington. Uh, if history holds, uh, you know, we know that it's, it's been a different division winner every year for the last two decades. So, uh, no, I think that 10 is the right number for all the reasons you said, John. I don't think there's uh, any reason to go against that. Yeah, I'd, I'd settle on 9 or 10. I think overall it's going to be better. I can't imagine it would be the laughing stock that it was last year. I looked this up uh, a little while ago. You know, the famous 2010 NFC West where the Seahawks, uh, you know, won at seven and nine. That division produced a 13 win team in San Francisco the very next year. So, you know, people overdo it with just assuming that it's going to carry over from year to year. I think I'd be surprised to see that. Um, And I, I agree with you, John. Like, I would be surprised if more than one team makes the playoffs out of this division. I think. If I had to guess, the champion of this division is going to sit comfortably in the four seed, if I had to guess. That's just me. But, yeah, like nine or ten wins, I think gets it done. All right, I'm going to open the table to you guys. Final thoughts. You could touch on something with your team. You can go around the NFL, a sleeper team in a league, a Super Bowl prediction. You can say whatever you want. Let's start with Fran. Go ahead. Oh, man, the pressure is on. Um I'm just excited for, you know, the, the, all the young quarterbacks playing around the league. It's definitely been a changing of the guard at that position. We've seen some all-time greats retire over the last couple of off seasons. So, you know, whether you have, uh, you know, all the rookies, I mean, there's five first round quarterbacks. Uh, you've got a bunch of second year guys that are under center this year. Um, obviously one here in Philadelphia, but uh, all the young quarterbacks, I think it's an exciting time for the league and we'll see uh, exactly how some of them do, but all of them had great flashes. These rookies uh, here in the preseason We'll see how many of it is, how much of that is able to carry over into regular season play. Dave, this is obvious. I mean, it's it's really Cowboys specific, but I think it pertains to the entire league. But I mean, it sucks watching a whole season of football when all of the good players on the team aren't there. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> it's just it's not what you sign up for. And obviously, you know that that applies to Dallas with Dak and the offensive tackles and all of the misery that happened here. But again, you know, the giants didn't have Saquon. The Eagles had a boatload of injuries. My guy, Joe Burrow didn't get to finish his rookie season. And that's, that's just a bummer. So I'm just more than anything. I'm just hoping for a cleaner bill of health. I know that's unrealistic in the NFL injuries are what they are when you play a sport like this, but um, yeah, it's, it's just not fun watching the practice squad, try to play regular season games. So hopefully less of that this year. 
can we just talk about how Tom Brady had a strain or well, a, a torn? It wasn't torn. It was a torn or, stra- or strain MCL this yeah. past year. I mean, and he still played spectacularly. I mean, I I, I spent most of my life really uh, doubting Tom Brady. I know I still don't like him, but I respect him now. And, I mean, <laughs> he's uh, I mean, he's primed to have another really good year. I mean, I, I, I would I'd say a lot of people are considering him in the Bucks to go back to the Super Bowl this year. Correct. Oh, right. I mean, it's pretty fair. I mean, Tom Brady. I mean, you can't yeah, bet against the guy. Exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. And he's going for number eight. My goodness. Can we uh, somebody needs to just beat him? I mean, John, like, get the <laughs> Giants to step up, man. Y'all are the only. <laughs> like, yeah, hey, you can't beat them in the How many times you want us to do you it? You can't man. play them in the Super Bowl this year, though. It's the only thing. <laughs> Serious. I, I do think, though, that uh, one of these, one of the teams in the division will upset him this year. I would say. I, I think they've all got the skills to do. I don't want to say who. Well, Dave's up I, first, so I mean, it, it has to be Dallas, yeah. right? I tell you what, like it's. I mean, like I said, you know, the Cowboys are they're a little bit ahead of everybody else, right? Because they play that Thursday game, so they're kind of into their game mode a little bit more. And you go through the grind of training camp, and all of a sudden, you look up and you're like, "Holy crap, that's coming up! <laughs> that's coming up in you know less than a week." And um, like I said at the top of the show, I'll I'll be interested to see how they're ready for it because it looks like a daunting task right now. All right, I'll just close with this. Guys, full buildings of fans. Yeah. Last year was weird. Like, watching games in those empty buildings, it was weird. Like, it, it, really strange. Every week, worrying about, oh, COVID results, this and that. That shouldn't be as big of a factor this year. We're all dealing with protocol still. It's not the same. We all know that. We're in the building. We all know. But I do think we're going to be one more step towards normalcy this year, which I think is a really good thing, and I think it's a fun thing. So hopefully we get closer and I th- we get a, you know, an NFL season to Dave's point. That's not about injuries. It's not about COVID and it's just about the best team going out there and winning. And I think that's going to be fun. And I, it's always fun to see who the next guy is that steps up, right? Last year was Josh Allen, where you wondered after two years, was he the guy he saw flashes, but last year, MVP candidate, who's going to be the guy. Is it going to be Joe Burrow? Maybe if he's healthy all year, you know, who's going to be that next guy to become the star. I think that's kind of what I'm looking forward to the most is just to kind of see how not just this year's draft classes, you know, friend mentioned with this year's rookies and how they're going to play just the last couple of years, you know, the Sam Darnold have a resurgence in Carolina. I think that's a fun thing to watch. Can Daniel Jones do something like Baker Mayfield's hadn't looking for a contract. So is Lamar Jackson. Can he take that next step? Just, you know, who's that next guy that that's going to challenge the chiefs in, in the AFC and challenge the bucks in the NFC, because those are really the two teams, right. That everyone's trying to climb towards. And who's going to do it? And I think that's kind of what, you know, the fun and unpredictability of, of every NFL year. Guys, this was fun. Really appreciate it. Good luck this year. And we will talk leading up to the draft. All right. Thanks, y'all. Looking forward to it. I'll hopefully see y'all really soon. Yes, yeah. we will. We will play each other well, quite soon. Maybe Brand maybe up. not you, Zach. We don't see Washington until all the way in December. But, yeah, oh, we'll yeah, then you soon. The, yeah, the back-to-back weeks. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Brand Duffy, Zach Selby, Dave Hellman. Excellent job, guys, as we do a little preview of the NFC East. That's our NFC East roundtable. We thank the guys for joining us. It was a lot of fun. Get you ready for the 2021 NFL season. I'm John Schmelk, and again, the Giants Huddle Podcast is on the Giants Podcast Network, presented by Investors Bank, which is at Giants.com slash podcast, the Giants mobile app, and your favorite podcast platforms. And remember, check out the all-in NYG podcast celebrating the 10th anniversary of Super Bowl Forty Six which is on the Giants Huddle podcast feed. For the guys, I'm John Schmoke. Have a great Labor Day weekend. We'll see you next time.